Greetings, I am Jim. And I am Sean, and we welcome you to our podcast. Our goal is to entertain you with our discussions about RPG, fantasy, and everything in between. Come sit by the fire. You're safe here. We'll keep watch. We hope you enjoy 13-Sided Die. Level 3, Episode 23. All right! What is our process to make creativity interesting? Hmm. Our amazing guest, Courtney, gave us the topic for this show, and this is something we will ask our future guests to do also. Come listen to Jim use the technical term, hokey pokey. See if you can hear when my phone beeps. Sorry. Learn how we deal with creativity while keeping enjoyment in the hobby. Listen to us hang out and chat, with Sean swearing the most. Also, join in on the controversial dice discussion we have. What? All this and more in our latest episode of 13-Sided Die. Hey, all you good people out there. We are back. I know it's been a little while. Um, We've been busy, right, Jim? Yeah, busy camping and relaxing (laughs) for me. Squeezing, getting the last licks out of summer. Um, Yeah, it's true. Um, I think life has also just been a bit busy lately. Um, It's been, I think, almost probably just over a month since we had our last podcast, so we have apologize for not being on a better schedule but that's okay uh you know wait for good things i guess i apologize for nothing (laughs) (laughs) that is true i'm sorry i shouldn't apologize and i just apologize for being sorry Um, (laughs) but we are back and uh yeah anything uh exciting and new jim uh i learned how to paint with watercolors on one of our camping trips wow yeah that was fun first time doing that so good for you i saw some of those um paintings look really good well, thanks, man. I gave one to my mom for her 65th birthday, so that was, was nice. Treant, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, the green man's like her favorite nice. mythology thing, so that was That's pretty close. Cool. So. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. lovely. That no, it, it's been good, and uh, yeah, we are, um, well, we're on the cusp of Inktober. Jim, uh, in October, does his Inktober. If anybody out there is interested, uh, check it out. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, epic Inktober. It's crazy, nice yeah. Them, so. It's the end of September, so I don't know, maybe we'll be a little bit more regular with our podcast now that uh, summer is coming to a close, but um, yeah, it's all good. Yeah, yeah. excited to see everyone's drawings this year, and that should be good. You had some real awesome ones last year, so. That'll be fun. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, it took off way more than I thought it would last year. <laughs> it was crazy. I was like, oh, I'll just like repost everyone's pictures yeah. that they draw every day. And I was on my phone all of October. I was like, this is nuts. <laughs> you have to get a helper. Yeah. Crazy. Well, I think we'll uh, we'll get into the episode. And uh, for those of you loyal listeners out there will remember that our last episode, which was amazing, we had Courtney, figuratively mm-hmm. speaking, on. Such a great person, man. That was such a great, great uh, interview session. Really enjoyed that. And um, very heartfelt. She was just really genuine. And um, I learned a lot and just uh, really had a great chat. But we did throw it at her to pick uh, the topic for this episode, which we both thought was pretty exciting. And so uh, just to remind you people, I'll play her uh, comments and her uh, request from last episode. When taking on a project, whether it be a commission or a campaign, what is your creative process that allows you to make it interesting for yourself? So there you go. <laughs> that was a great topic. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's, uh, we can talk quite a bit about that in different elements of like when you are taking something on and um, 
especially if you do something repetitively, be it like she said, be it like writing campaigns or, you know, creating stuff, making stuff. How do you keep it enjoyable and what things do you do to make it enjoyable for yourself? Um, so, yeah, I think we have quite a few things we can chat about uh, in regards to that. And I know uh, you, as always, did your homework and you've got notes written down and stuff, which is lovely, where I remember thinking about it when she said it and I haven't thought much about it since then. So I'll just have to fly by the seat of my pants as I normally do. And that's OK. Um, why don't you get started, Jim? Give us one of your thoughts on that. Uh, and just so you guys know, my notes are pretty hokey pokey, but I I need them or they're it's gone forever. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't do commissions, but sometimes I'll make gifts for other people, and mm-hmm. I just I always make sure that there's elements of the build or the paint job or whatever that I'm like really into at the time to like keep yep. me motivated and stoked on the project. Like even if I'm into, I don't know, like mermaids or something at the time, it's like I got to put a little mermaid in there, a little some water features or something, just yeah. anything to just keep my motivation up on it. Yeah, that that's obviously a huge element, right? Like um, something I learned a really, really long time ago. Um, I've been doing, you know, art in some form of another in the sense of um, like professional like work for people. And um, I can remember a long time ago, I learned it the hard way that I used to do mock-ups, designs for people to choose from of which style they'd want. And inevitably, there'd be one you do and you're like, oh, that's it. That one is so awesome. And you just fall in love with it. And then you take it to the clients and you show them the designs and that would be the first one they'd get rid of. Yeah. Like, yeah, that one doesn't work for us. And you're like, uh, but, uh, that's the one, you know. And so that element of like, oh, my goodness. And then you're just like... That was it. The whole project then sucked because the one you loved went away. So for me, a couple of things I learned about that was a when you're doing work for clients, not to become emotionally attached to the work that you're doing. You want to have a connection. And I think we talked a bit about this with Courtney. You want to have that connection to it and enjoy it and and love it. But you can't it's it's you have to think from the start. It isn't staying with you. It, it's going to go away. So you ha- can't be so connected to it that you can be heartbroken when it leaves. That was the same thing when people were choosing designs. You had to you had to be almost like they were children and love each of them equally because, you know, they were ultimately going to choose one of them and not the others. And so you had to be very careful that not get attached to it. Um, so that was something that I learned fairly early on. So that's really helped me um, when I do stuff for people. But like you said, Jim, I would always be trying to put in something in there that I liked or, you know, um, it, it's in a style that you enjoy doing and that kind of stuff. Most clients will have an idea of what they want, but they don't have it fully realized. So you do have a positive way to influence it as well and talk about stuff and how you can, um, you know, do something that you would enjoy doing. Because, I mean, nobody wants you to build something that you don't want to build. That's not going to be a good project, right? I don't know how you don't like, or I don't know how you give away the stuff that you make or not give it away, but <laughs> like just spend that much time and put that kind of detail and put those little things on that. You, you actually love. Yeah. Well, we're talking about that today. Uh, you had commented on the little bookshelf that I made. And um, that's, that's that one's really fun because uh, Margot's uncle, uh, who I've known, obviously, as long as I've known my wife, which is like, oh, geez, 35 plus or more. No, it's 40 years. I've, we've known each other now. Right. So I've known uh, her uncle for almost that long. And he is an artist and he's so unbelievably talented and he works in stained glass and he's an amazing painter. But he also does really cool things like he's made, um, you know, a sailboat. He's made a, a, a cedar strip canoe. So like he's just oh, really, wow. really. Yeah, just really talented and all different areas. And 
we became really close friends right away because we just connected on the art side of things. And he's been a great mentor for me. And over every time we visit, he's always giving me something here, try this out. Here's a new tool or here's some new pencils. Try these out. He's just that lovable guy. Right. And I just really, really admire and look up to him. And uh, a few weeks back, my Etsy thing goes beep, 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 bing, cha-ching. Like I sold something. I look and the idiot bought something from me. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, dude, I just make something and give it to you. He goes, no, no, you're running a business and I want to support you. And it was just so lovable. So I thought, fine, but I'm not doing the standard. I'm adding stuff to the build to make it, you know, over the top and better. Yeah. And it, that bookcase is one of the things that, that my that book note that I sell oh. doesn't have a bookcase in it, but I wanted to give yeah. him a bookcase. Right. Um, and the irony is, is that I myself don't have any build with the bookcases like that in it. I've made a bunch for people and I've never made one for myself. Which yeah. is kind of funny, <laughs> but I think what it is, Jim, for me, and it's it's kind of um, it's interesting. Like creativity, I'm actually really really jazzed about this because I had this conversation um, with a friend recently who's also an artist, and I was talking about creativity and how it it's a double edged sword. Anybody who's creative, and when I say that, that's somebody who's a, who likes to cook. That's creative. That that's making stuff from nothing. Like creativity to me is taking an idea or a concept that comes to you and doing something with it, right? So writers are creative. Hell, people who program, you know, in computer programming, you have to be very creative to figure out how to do those things. So these are all creative aspects. Obviously, mini painters, all these things. When you get the idea for something, as a creative person, I find if you don't do something with that idea, it'll just eat away at you. And I call creative ideas all basically demons that if you don't do something with the demon, it's going to do something with you. And and yeah. I actually tend to be a I become a person you don't want to be around if I don't deal with those demons because I don't realize. But I start getting agitated and frustrated and I don't even know why. And it's because I've got this idea for something and I'm not doing something with it. So in a way, the work that I do is almost a therapy because I get to channel all that creative energies. And so that's where, um, you know, um, where Courtney says, what do you do in a build or a creative build or something to make it something for yourself and enjoyment and get something out of it? That's what I do. I take these ideas and I fuse them into the builds that I make to release the demon and to, you know, and to be feel, feel fulfilled. So for me, whenever I finish a personal project, I actually far more enjoy the journey than I do the finished project. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Right, right? So the finished project hanging on the wall, whatever is cool. But I, I look at that, when I look at a finished project, I don't see the final project. I see the elements of the journey to get there. And I remember what kind of the music I was listening to. And I remember things that happened. And I remember the, the decisions I made to do that part. And that's the love of it to me. So because of that, I'm able to make things for people and have them leave because I actually like the journey better than I like the finished object. And so that's really helped because, yeah, if I had, you can imagine if you got attached to the things I've, I've made so many things over the years, like to, you know, it'd be heartbreaking every time they leave. So I, I feel very fortunate that I figured that stuff out fairly early in mm -hmm. my artistic life so that I, I could be able to do that. And you'd, you'd run out of space keeping all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I have a hard time now, man. I don't even keep anything. Uh, 100%. Yeah, I have a little little rinky-dink house and there's no room for things. Wow. But I was actually... So that conversation we had talking about some of that stuff about creativity and um, a lot of things like, uh, you know, that like an imposter syndrome that att attacks every single creative artistic person, worried you're not doing anything worthy. Um, or being Instagram, original enough. 
Right. Instagram for how amazing it is to share with everybody. Instagram for me, it's a little different and everyone knows I'm running like a small business. So I post Instagram. I try and post every single day, something to Instagram. And so I post because I feel I am required to post from a business standpoint. I'm keeping the brand going. But if you are a person who is just a, not just, but a person who is a hobbyist, who's enjoying the craft and they're posting stuff they're doing, there's a real danger of them being like, I don't know if I want to post this because it's not as good as my last one. Because mm-hmm. you're always trying to do better. You're always trying to do like that's the that's the the world makes you feel that way. That you have to do better. You have to have a better post, better content. And so if you're doing it because you're a hobbyist enjoying it, it can really crush you and you might not post stuff because you don't feel it's good enough. Like I said, I have an out because I just I feel I feel I have to post something because I'm just trying to keep myself out there in the sense of a, a small business. And so I'm I, I find that doesn't affect me as much. But I can see how some people would be concerned and not want to post because they're worried it's not good enough or not good as last time. And that's a shame because you shouldn't have those restrictions on you. Yeah, I don't post uh, whips because of that. I don't. Mm. I like the wow factor at the yeah. end to show yeah. everyone, be like, wow, check it out. This is, it's all done. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I just, I don't want people to see the ugly stage. Mm, interesting. People, I find when I post things, my ugly stage work in progress process stuff does way better for people enjoying and liking and commenting than my finished yeah. stuff. If I put finished items I post finished, do not do anywhere near as well as the stuff in process. So odd. And like, I, I don't know. I like seeing your builds, like when they're, you know, your whips and stuff, seeing how you're yeah. doing it, but like nothing beats seeing it all painted up with all the details. And like, like for me anyways, I, I kind of thought that too, but I, I, I'm always reminded when I post those, that that's not usually the norm. Um, so anyways, we had these conversations with this friend of mine the other day and it was really nice. And we talked about a lot of these different areas and it, it led me to realize something and it's something that he said, like he got very emotional about it and it was very, he was very moved and, you know, he really thanked me because he was going through some doubts and it was really helpful and that kind of stuff. And I said, I was happy to share. And it got me thinking that I think I've decided for next ArdCon next year that I want to do that as a topic. I want to go up and talk about creativity, uh, talk about the demons of creativity, the, the blessing and curse all at the same time. I want to talk about, you know, some of the things that we're talking about right now about uh, imposter syndrome and all those kind of things. I think I actually have stuff I can say towards it that, that I've learned over the years and stuff that I've felt and I've seen other creative people go through. And hopefully I can say some stuff to help people. And it's it's a broad topic. It's not just about people who make stuff out of pink foam or blue foam. Um, it's about anybody who creates anything or just, you know, has has passion to do that. So. I'm kind of excited as that being a thought. And uh, yeah, I think it'd be a really fun talk. Oh, that's awesome. People are going to love that. That's, I think uh, it'd be, it's, it's worthwhile. You know what I mean? It affects so many people in so many ways. So I think it'd, it'd be good. So that's exciting. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it ties very much into what kind of Courtney was asking about. Um, what, what else? Any other thoughts you have on how that fits into that? How Things that we do to try and make that enjoyable for ourselves? Uh, another thing I had down, uh, I like to challenge myself fairly mm. where it's something I haven't done, but I think I could maybe pull it off. Like, I'm not going to be like, Oh, th- this craft, I'm going to put like actual stained glass windows into this build, right? Or something yeah. crazy. But it'll be, hey, maybe I can make something that looks like a stained glass window. I might be able to pull that off. Yeah. 
Yeah. So gives me a good challenge and I can do it and yeah. rewarding. Yeah, I, I absolutely hear you on that, Jim. That was one on my list as well. Anytime I have a project um, that's a commission, some of the, obviously the products that I sell like on Etsy are set things that I've already created. So they're pretty much set in stone of how I do them. But uh, anytime it's a commission work or specifically work for myself, I'm always trying to look, what's something I haven't done before that I can put into this? What is something that I can learn? What's a tool I haven't worked with or a material or, you know, just to further your knowledge base and understanding. And, and sometimes those, those just don't open the door. They knock the doors off the hinges and all of a sudden you've got a whole new path, you know, you're kind of going down and, and exploring. Um, when I did the, um, uh, Erebor treasure room, uh, with with a smog and that there was a, a side just off to the side of the dragon and i did this kind of neat it goes into like another room and it, the archway was like multiple 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 like dwarven style archways that kind of get smaller on themselves and i figured out a way to do that and i thought that was really fun and i thought it looked really cool and then i kind of forgot about it and a couple other projects went by and then um another client had said could you do the front gates of Erebor, funny enough, right? Of the Lonely Mountain. And um, we've talked about before, I've not even watched all the Hobbit films, so I'm not really familiar with it. So I had to look it all up and look at it. And it's the front gates of Erebor are ridiculous. Like it's, <laughs> you know, it's it's totally, like we said, kind of like Petra out of uh, Indiana Jones' Last Crusade, where it's this kind of like, you know, beautiful carved thing in the side of a mountain. And it's just like deep carved into it with so many different things so i sat there staring at this damn thing and i couldn't figure it out i couldn't figure out how i could make it because actually like literally carving foam is really hard because it's not a forgiving material it just like it rips or tears it you know it's hard to to carve it so like okay so i put it on my mind for a few days i did some other things and um that's a that's a method that i've um, spoken before and certainly talked uh, um, to my patrons about is that sometimes if you don't have the answer just put it aside for a little bit do some other things but you keep thinking about it kind of in the background a little bit mm -hmm. and eventually something will come to you and then i realized what i had done with that dwarven arches and what it really reminded me of is um there's a thing called um to paper toll and you've probably seen a lot of it's when there's like a thing in a picture frame and you'll have like say a bird on a branch and they'll have the same image of a bird on the branch cut out about 10 times. And so first it'll be like, you know, the tree. And then in front of the tree, a little bit out will be the branch. And then it'll be another part of the branch. And then it'll be part of the bird. And then it'll be more of the bird. And so when you look at it, it's almost three-dimensionally. It goes back on itself with this repeated, you know, cutouts. I realized that's what Erebor is. If you take, you know, one part of it and it's like, say, three inches deep, cut those three inches into a whole bunch of thin slices... And then each of those slices, now they're the same size, start small and cut out pieces of them and layer them on top of each other. And that's yeah. how you get this carved depth. That was like, wow, that was a game changer to do that. Um, and it looked fantastic. It really looked correct. I was so happy about that because it was a massive challenge and I was able to figure out a way of doing it. And so now I've used that technique a number of times in my builds because it works so effectively uh that volcano build that i just finished mm -hmm. it was the same kind of idea we built a kind of a structure into the mountain on that one as well and it's the same kind of idea and it worked amazingly so it's like that's a great thing if you can challenge yourself if you stay in your comfort zone you'll just start repeating yourself and you just start doing the same thing over and over and over and then i think you become bored with what you're doing mm -hmm. Which, talking to what Courtney says, that doesn't help. If you become bored with what you're doing, you're not going to want to do it. 
Yeah. So it's all yeah. right to lean a little bit on the classics. Like yes. also with that volcano board, you did those awesome lights and that to make the lava look all lit up. That was fun. You're the light king when you're making train, right? You always have a little something light there, but that, you know, that's awesome. Makes a difference, do. right? Yeah. And then some of that was very, like you said, very traditional. Like the pillars for the um, arches are very traditional pillars done a lot of times. The mountain itself, I've done that like three or four times, created kind of a mountain look like that. So yeah, you, you, you pull up on things that you know, but if you can challenge yourself to do something different, you, yeah, you know, the, those, we call them the lava ducks. I was so excited by them. Like they... They, they said they wanted to have lava coming out of it. We talked about having these ducks. I'm like, yeah, that's really cool. And I didn't tell them. I thought, you know what? I bet you can make a trench, lay in the little lights in the trench, a piece of plastic, thin plastic over top of it. And then I know um, the light will go through colored. Uh, and some of you people may not realize, but you can get your uh, hot um, glue in colors, the sticks in different colors. And so I bought a pack of different colored sticks and I used first yellow and then orange and then drizzled red. And just by doing it kind of like almost like it's liquidy on top uh, and laid it on top of the lights. And yeah, it lights up and it looks kind of like lava. It was really fun. Um, and you have to take a chance. OK, like that. That's um, I was having another conversation just recently when I went to Iron Maiden with my friend the other night. Um, we, uh, that friend of mine, it's funny. We, we kind of reconnected recently and it's a buddy of mine from high school. I've not seen him in about 10 years. And, um, we went to Iron Maiden in 1982. The concert was, uh, Scorpions were the headliner. Uh, oh, Iron sick. Maiden opened for them. And then a all girl metal band called girl school, which is a really great band. They opened up for Iron Maiden and, um, we went to that concert together, which was really fun. And then it's now 41 years later and we went to Iron Maiden the other night together. So it was kind of fun oh, to, cool. you know, it was really neat. I got a giggle out of that, but we're walking back and we're talking about things. And I was saying that I'm seeing a, um, something that's affecting a lot of people now. And I think it's just, you know, um, and a lot of it is the times, the way things are right now. Um, I spoke to my son and asked him about it and he was saying that he feels a lot of the generation now feels so bleak about the future that, the world's burning. It's all on fire. Everything's a disaster. There is no future. So th they ha they're, they're experiencing really a tough emotional time because they just feel like there's nothing there for them going ahead. And that made sense to me because I see a lot of times um, people ask me a lot of questions through Instagram, like, how did you do that? Or how could I do this? Or And I, I, I've always prided myself on being a problem solver. Um, my pops owns an auto body shop. I grew up in a body shop. You're always trying to fix things and solve things and figure it out. And he's just, he's the king of anything. He can figure anything out. He's just, his mind's really amazing. And so I was very fortunate and blessed to have him as a dad who kind of passed it on to me. And I hopefully have done that with my boys as well. And, um, there's always a solution to anything. And now, just like I said, with that, how I wound up doing, you know, the gates of Erebor. I didn't know right away. It took me like a week of thinking to come up with that solution, but there's always a solution. But what I find is that we've lost that. Um, people have forgotten that there are solutions. And I feel a lot of people now, I see it through the questions I get asked where they've not really spent the time or know how to solve. They just hit a problem and it's a complete dead end, like a roadblock, a complete dead end. I see problems as an intersection with a number of different roads to go down and you pick a road and 
I'll tell you, Jim, I don't know how many times I've gone down the wrong freaking road and <laughs> it goes for a couple of blocks and then, then you do honestly hit like a cliff edge and you can't go any further. So you just turn the car around, you come back a few blocks and take one of the other roads. Like it's all about figuring it out. And there's nothing wrong with making a mistake because if you do, you'll learn from it. You'll learn way more from a mistake than you will from a success. Yeah. Um, so I feel that the world today has forgotten that you're allowed to make mistakes, that every problem has a solution. You just may have to work and figure it out. And I find because of the silly magic box we walk around with in our pocket all the time, you can pull out and ask any question. Like no one needs a map anymore because the phone tells you where to go. You don't remember phone numbers because the phone you know, saves them all. I think that we need to remember that we have to problem solve for ourselves. And, and that makes a big difference. Um, yeah, that's a little off topic, but it was just something we started chatting about. And I think it kind of ties to some of this that you need to be bold and creative. And if it doesn't work, try it again. Yeah. And collab with other DMs and crafters yeah. if you can't think of it yourself, right? Like I'll hit dead ends all the time and I call up my buddy, Sean. I'm like, hey, man, <laughs> what do I do here? And he's, he's obviously this. Oh. Right. Of course. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it, it, you can get so lost in it, right, Jim? Like you can be, oh, yeah. you, you're, you can get too close to it and you can't see it. And one quick question to somebody on the outside, you know, we used to do brainstorming sessions as well. Um, and we used to have, you know, brainstorming about a, around just some kind of client topic or something we're doing. And you know, a lot of times you hear people say there's no wrong answer. And some people say that because they want to make everyone comfortable. Valid. I tell people there's no, there are wrong answers. Okay, but do not ever be afraid to say a wrong answer, because if you say something that's incorrect or doesn't make sense, everyone else's brain will immediately bounce to the correct thing. So yeah. your wrong answer or your incorrect answer will actually lead to the right answer. So wrong answers are bonuses. They're great. If you say, yeah, what about if we do it this way? And you, you kind of know it's not going to work. You say this and someone say, no, because of this. But you know what would work? And then boom, you've got the right answer. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. You have to be willing to make mistakes or do things wrong to learn from them and figure out the right path. Um, and that goes back to what we're talking about. All those challenges, all those things should be seen as a positive and a reason to want to do something because you're bettering yourself, you're learning. You're, you know, that, that to me is the stuff that makes doing this so enjoyable because you are learning and you're doing stuff and you're, you know, you're getting stuff out of it. Um, if you keep doing the same thing over and over and it's identical, it's, it, you'd go crazy. It's just, it's just not worth it. Yeah. So it has to give you something out of it. And, and to me, that's part of it. Um, one of the other things, um, when Courtney had asked that question is that I've come to learn, I really enjoy the sharing aspect. So the, when you're making stuff to share it with people and, and hear their feedback and their thoughts or have somebody say, yeah, I did that too. And here's my version of it. And, and that community that, that itself is also a really fun way to make those projects enjoyable is like the sharing it with people. Oh yeah. Um, that kind of reminds me of a quote. Um, was it assume everyone you talk to knows something that you don't. That's a good quote. So when you're, you know, you know, every, every single person you talk to, you can get a little bit of wisdom for like totally. projects or inspiration or anything from totally, totally. Right. And I try and to use that with like every aspect of my life, like not yeah. just <laughs> crafting and DMing. Right. Yeah. You know, um, something that's kind of fits in that a little bit too, is that I, I sometimes you hear people say like, man, that guy's a jerk. He's such, he's so grumpy. He's such a jerk. And I'm sure I've said that a lot of times too. Something that I've learned in life is that uh, everyone's on their own journey, man, and you don't know what's going on in that person's world. And you know what? Maybe that person is a complete asshole, 
And so give them a wide berth. Just don't mess with them. Give them a lot of space. But you don't know what's going on in the world. They're they're you know, loved one could have died three days ago. Like, they, mm-hmm. you, know, you don't know what they're going through. And I'm not giving people, you know, free license to be assholes. Just that we've all been in bad places when shit happens. And when that does, give people some space. So I think you're 100% right, Jim. You can always learn something from people. And the other side to that, too, is just be nice to each other. Like, if someone's just not being a great person, just let them not be a great person. Leave them alone. And, you know, you don't know what's going on in their world. Give them some space. Take me a long time to learn that. I was mm-hmm. not a very good yeah. person about those kind of things, but yeah, give them some space. Um, yeah, I think everybody has something to say. And what's interesting to me sometimes too is that people who knew, know nothing about what you're doing sometimes have the in- most interesting, you know, questions. Yeah. And uh, you know, I was I did a show a couple of weekends back uh, in Didsbury where my parents live, and um, uh, it was a really fun show. The library there asked me if I'd come in and put a put a thing on, and I, I said, yeah, I sure would. And this little girl came up to my table. She must have been like eight years old. Um, the word precocious is used with children, and it's got a connotation of the kid's a brat. Um, someone who's precocious really means that they are ahead of their years, like they're wiser than mm-hmm. how old they are, and like they have a you know. She was the most precocious in the best way person little girl i've ever met in my life she just handled herself in a the way she walked she just walked differently she didn't look like a little kid she was so inquisitive and some of the questions that she came up and asked me were like you know it was fascinating like she actually kind of asked the courtney question she's like what do you enjoy about the work that you do you know like it's just it's like dude you're eight years old like come on i've got other kids coming up and they're just like like touching everything on the table and picking things up she's just asking these amazing questions wow. she's just fantastic and uh when she left i turned to the table next to her i said oh my god and they like i know we talked to her too i said she's gonna be the prime minister one day like yeah. <laughs> she was amazing um everybody has uh, you know uh, uh, has an opinion and everybody also has um you know, information that they can impart onto you that you, you can learn from and they'll see yeah. things that you might not. And much like we said a minute ago, you can become too close to your area. And if you're too close, you don't always see what's right there in front of you. Someone else might have to spot it and tell you. Yeah. hundred percent. What else you got, man? Oh, I did have, so this is kind of a little different, but sometimes I do boring projects. Yep. Like making D and D tiles or painting a giant piece of train or something where it's just all the same color or whatever. Yeah. And I always just make sure to put on like an interesting show or a podcast lined up. So at least I'm entertained by that while I'm doing yes. my mindless crafting. And I find that helps get me through too, right? It's like, well, this project sucks, but I'm gonna watch all the <laughs> Hobbits and all the Lord of the Rings movies like back to back to back to back to back. And you know, at least that's something. <laughs> Totally. Or you can listen to Tale of the Manticore because yeah. John's amazing. Oh, definitely. Um, plug for John. Um, yeah, no, that's 100% right. Um, I found that I used to listen to lots and lots and lots of music while I worked. Mm. But over these last few years and working in the studio, I found actually I get, I'm starting, I'm enjoying more listening to things like podcasts or putting on um, like movies that I have already seen because I don't have to stare at them. I can listen to them and it's something I can go along with. And I'm finding sometimes that media is working even a little bit better than music for some reason, at least where I'm at right now, uh, which is kind of good. And like I said, it is kind of nice. People say to me, you know, what do you do? They'll say like, I'm really burnt out. You know, my life is rough. I've got a lot going on at work. I come home, I want to crap, but I'm so tired. I don't feel like crafting and I don't know what to do. How, how do you deal with burnout? 
Um, that, that's a very valid question. That, that's that's a really good one. Uh, again, I find I am not allowed to burn out because if I'm trying to run it as a business, there's no time for burnout. So mm-hmm. that I am in a different category there. But I do 100% understand what that feels like from doing my own personal projects for many, many years. And so what I say to people is, A, be kind to yourself. That's the very first thing. Just be kind to yourself and realize that life's tough and you can't control it. Life is going to control you. You can't control it. Um, Don't be creative. Don't do a creative project. Put all your creative projects on hold. And the first thing you should look at doing is working on your workspace. Tidy it up. If it's not straight and tidy, if it's straight and tidy, look around and think, what could I do to make my workspace more engaging? How can I do something to make this a better space? Maybe it's changing the layout. Maybe it's making some shelves. Maybe it's, you know what I mean? Like figure out what you need to make your space an engaging and enjoyable space. And then once you've done those things, the next thing to do is pick a project like you just said, Jim, that's kind of mundane, something you've done before, something you know you can complete that's not too large and do it. And by doing all those different steps, you'll kind of go through the process and and evolve into the point where you can start to be creative again. And then kind of what I say is if you're ready to do that, pick something you've never done before to challenge yourself to do something different. You're out of your aesthetic. If it doesn't do so well, you can blame it because it's a new thing that you've not tried before. Like, you know what I mean? And those are kind of the steps to get back into being creative and allowing yourself to enjoy what you're doing um, because life does put lots of pressures on you. You know, yeah. uh, it's very hard. Uh, when I used to work full time in a career and try and come home and craft, I'd just be exhausted. It'd be so hard to be me- and not even physically, but mentally exhausted to try and do stuff. It was very difficult. Um, you know, I have the blessing that this is what I do full time now that I just have, you know, lots, lots of time to go and build stuff. So it's amazing. But uh, you have to be gentle with yourself and just kind of find time and go through those steps, you know, clean up. Rebuild your infrastructure, your layout, your table, your workspace. Make something mundane that you know you can do, and then try and make something you've never done before. And those things will put you in the steps to be able to be creative and doing stuff again. Oh yeah, man, I can't agree more because, like, you know, all summer I've been camping just outside and just keeping busy, and I haven't been really in the fun gen at all. Like my all the podcast stuff was still set up from like a month ago. But even just coming down here and turning the lights on and sitting back my DM chair under the beholder and like looking around, I'm like, oh, I can't wait for like fall and winter to yeah. get back into this, start painting some minis, doing some train building, all that good stuff. Yep. So it totally, it works. It works. It, you know, and, and so here's a thing. Uh, I'm saying all that stuff. And so I'm feeling pretty dialed in on the creative and working side, but our D&D game, we haven't played in about four to five months since the last game. And I was really jacked for the next game, like really excited about it. And life got in the way. Um, you know, I know Ardcon got in the way. That was a nightmare. So much stuff to that. And then when Ardcon was done, it was just kind of like, oh, God, I want to take a breath. And so, you know, needed yeah. a break. Then summer hit and everyone's schedules went out the window. Oh, and yeah. it's just so much. And so I've, the players moved. So. I've, I've lately felt really bad about that it's been this long we've never in the seven years that this group has been playing we've never gone longer than a month without a game and now it's been four or five months and i actually feel guilty about it i felt really crappy um i wanted to go and send everybody uh, you know an apology and then i said to myself okay what is your advice in situations like this be gentle with yourself don't 
take, don't be hard. You know, take it easy. I'm okay. I did that. I said, you know, I'm not going to send an apology. I'm going to say life is life. And, you know, it's not like anybody in the group has been emailing me saying, dude, when are we playing next? Like everyone's busy too. Like there's lots of stuff going on. So take a break. It's okay. We'll get it back on track. So as I look over my DM screen here, I'm sitting, it's a disaster. If the table is just filled. Jim, there's my mannequin Bob sitting there with the puffy Harley Davidson t-shirt from when I did your armor for uh, Expo. Like there's just, there's stuff everywhere and this all needs to be tidied up. So that's my next step. Come back into the, the DM room, uh, our D&D room and clean it all up, straighten it all out. That'll be my next step. And then start going through these so we can get it back to the game. Hopefully in the next, you know, couple of weeks to a month, we'll be able to sit down and play a game. And, yeah. but be gentle with yourself because if you're not what you do is you put too much pressure on it and it stops being fun and much like courtney asked how do you enjoy or continue enjoy or you have to not put pressure on it because if you do you're just gonna it's gonna become a chore it's gonna feel like a task and it's supposed to be fun and once it becomes a task or a chore it's not fun and you're not gonna want to do it and that's not cool so you need to be gentle, and that's what I'm, I'm going to do with this. So I'm hoping in the near future we'll be playing again, get things back on track. But uh, I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be gentle to myself about it, and not be too concerned. Oh, that's good, dude. And that and that's it, right? And maybe some people needed a couple month break. You know, they've been like, "Hey, I've been playing D D for years." You know, and when you don't play it for a while, when you get back to the table, you remember how much you love it. That's right. You that's kind right. of fall in love with it again. You know. Yeah, I mean, like you said, there's so much going on. You know, we've got uh, members of our group that are um, going for their master's in university. Um, you know, my son uh, is in his last year of university and he's in the middle of a practicum right now. So that's brand new to him. And he's like figuring that out. Um, one of our members um, uh, moved here in town and moved in with a significant other. Uh, that's all new to them. They're figuring that out. Uh, another member of the group uh, has just gone on and uh, their heavy metal band won uh, an award here in town for best mm. heavy metal recording, I think it was, right? Like, yeah. I know they've been touring and doing tons of stuff. So they got lots on their plate. You know, like, all these different members have just, you know, things going on, let alone everyone's day-to-day normal stuff. So, gotta be gentle with everybody and we'll figure it out. We'll get it back on track and uh, it'll be awesome. Yeah. I've been just swamp camping, disc golfing, working out, relaxing. <laughs> oh, I've been playing so much video games, so much. Got back into Minecraft, so Oh, that's, that's cool. That's dangerous, but <laughs> it's good, you know. It's all these things are really really good. So mm-hmm. Okay, why don't we take a, a quick break here and we'll come back, we'll wrap up this topic and uh we'll move on from there. Sounds good, boy. All right. Fantasy factoid. Hey everybody, this uh, Fantasy Factoid is about one of my favorite fantasy classes. It's the Invention of the Orcs. J.R.R. Tolkien is known for creating many iconic fantasy creatures, but did you know he invented the orcs? Before Tolkien, orcs were obscure and he transformed them into the fearsome foes we know today. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, I'm welcoming us back because I just seen an orb go by Sean's screen, so... Possible ghost, maybe scared. I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> uh, nicely done, my friend. Uh, I love when you welcome some, uh, welcome us back in. Um, though I did see a little orb go. What? Yeah, dude. Where? What do you mean? Over your right shoulder. Just an orb floated. Get out of here. <laughs> it could be light coming into the window. I don't know. Just Crazy. saying, man. Just uh, maybe, maybe there is a ghost. I don't know. Yeah. 
Jeez, roll for damage. Um, so yeah, today we're chatting uh, a little bit about uh, our last uh, guest we had on the show, Courtney, figuratively speaking. Uh, amazing, amazing mini painter. Check her out online if you can. And she gave us uh, the task to talk about creativity, whether it be in crafting or uh, DMing or like whatever, anywhere you do it, what do we do to make sure we enjoy it? And what, do, what things do we put in to get stuff out of it? And, uh, I think we've had some really good, you know, conversations about it so far. Um, I think the biggest thing, and I always say this is just make sure you're having fun, the period, just yeah. no matter what you're doing, have fun. And if you're not having fun, why aren't you having fun and think about it and try and figure out a way to make it fun again. Um, cause like I said, if it's, if it's a task or it feels like a task, you're never going to want to do it. So it's so important to turn it into fun. And uh, I know for me with um, with D&D as a DM, I mean, I really have fun thinking out a general idea for what the campaign would be and seeing how the players work with it and how they mold it and shape it and change it and go in different directions and do different mm -hmm. things. That's fun for me. But I think my area I get the most fun from is the NPCs creating fun NPCs for the characters to interact with and where I in turn get to be a player because then I can be all these little characters and I never like to put too much information down. And we've talked about this before, but I like to have like, you know, a little bit of their name, obviously race, gender, class, if applicable, um, a little bit about their background, very, very little, like one sentence a little bit, and then maybe a little bit about their demeanor and then just go with it. And, and have that fun creating with the players on the spot and figuring out what that person or character mm -hmm. is. That to me is what really brings me a lot of joy and enjoyment to the game because then I'm, I'm not reading from a script. I'm not, you know what I mean? Like I'm actually role playing too. And that's a lot of fun. Yeah. Put in brackets there, Clint Eastwood or whoever you're. Exactly. You know, you're <laughs> totally. Totally. That's always my trick. If I, if I ever try and do a, a voice, which I like to do voices if I can, I'll put in brackets like either the style of voice or if it so sounds like somebody, like you said, I, I put down the, the person's name in brackets just to remind me who they're supposed to sound like, yeah. uh, which is kind of fun. But no, that, that to me is where you infuse so much fun and enjoyment into the game where, you know, you're not being a because for the most part a dm is kind of like a referee you're just mm -hmm. kind of like putting it out there what's going on and then you're kind of just you know keeping the players going and that kind of stuff so i don't want to do that all the time i don't want to just be a referee like i want to be a, involved as well so by putting in npcs and stuff like that that's how you directly get involved in the game because then you're dealing with the players on a one-on-one -on -one basis which is really fun so um, I would highly advise everyone to really think about their, you know, NPCs they put into a game about how they fit into it and what you can do and have fun with and then just roll with it, man. Like just explore and enjoy and and you'll be so shocked and surprised at what your characters, your sorry, your players will come up with their characters and the fun things you can wind up doing. Like we've had whole games that have gone sideways from what I thought it would be because one person said one silly thing and everybody jumps on board and you go and investigate that silly thing and you make so much shit up on the spot just to go out there and do it. And it's a blast. You go back, you look at your notes and nothing got checked off, like nothing got accomplished, but you had an amazing game and yeah. everyone had fun. That's the big check mark. As long as everyone's having fun, that's the first check mark you want to kind of get off your list. Especially when you kind of, if you do it good enough, they won't even know that you, they were off the tracks. No, that's right. That's right. Don't panic. If you're playing the game, you're DMing, and you've got an idea where you're supposed to get to, dude, you'll get there. 
maybe it's two games from now. You, you'll eventually get there. You can kind of meander your party to that, mm-hmm. you know, get them there. But don't panic. Just go with it. And this is something I find DMs really have to remember is look around the table. Always look around the table when you're playing and make sure that everyone's smiling and laughing. If they're smiling and laughing, you're done. Success. You, you've accomplished the task. If you look around the table, and I, sometimes I look around the table and I'll see there's everyone's having fun and one person's not. Like they're, they're not they're not having fun, but they're not laughing as much or they're not thing. Engage them. Your next step to do is no matter what you do, make sure they're engaged. Have, you know, an NPC ask them a question or something that have, or you ask them is like, you know, you get this weird tingling in the back of your neck. Like you throw something at them because for whatever reason, and maybe again, it's life. They've had a rough day at work, whatever. Mm-hmm. They're just not, you get them engaged. It's, it's your job. Like I said, as that kind of referee to make sure everyone is playing and involved. And so keep your eyes on the table. And, uh, you know, if no one's laughing or if no one's enjoying themselves, you got a problem. You got to do something about it. Yeah. Yeah. I like to hit them with the, you know, they, they go somewhere where it's not even planned. It's just empty space that they weren't even supposed to go to. Oh, we want to go check that out. And Oh, I didn't expect you guys to go there just quite yet. Just give me a second. Start, start rolling dice. You don't even for not no reason, you know, just to confuse them. (laughs) Yep. And then, Oh, another thing too, uh, random roll charts. That's another way to keep it interesting for everybody. Totally. Yeah. You should always have some on at hand. Always. You know, um, charts or the uh, story dice. Story dice are great. Um, I, a lot of times I'll have like a list of NPCs. And if I find something's like lagging a little bit or like sometimes you can really feel the room like cause a, a D&D table is different every night you play um, because, again, it depends on where everyone's at, where they're coming from. And I've seen sometimes when the whole group, you could just tell that they're tired. Everyone's had a long week or something. Right. And they're just so they're not maybe as engaged or they're not putting much into it. So every once in a while, I'll just look on my list of NPCs and I'll just pick one. Yep. And this person walks into the room or this person walks up to you. Just grab one of them, bring them in and have that person that you've brought into the space create something, you know, or do something yourself. Like, you know, you hear this loud noise and you turn and look and somebody falls out of a second story window. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like just throw something into the mix and have them have to investigate, look at it or figure it out or do something like just spice it up and change things. It's, you know, it's just keeping everyone engaged. Those are the things for me as a DM that keep it interesting and make you wanting to enjoy it. Like uh, Ulrich, the blacksmith with no arms. (laughs) Just has a big helmet with a hammer on it. (laughs) I mean, if the players don't engage with him, like there's a problem. Yeah, you're you're not gonna get him with anything. Then. <laughs> uh, I do love plot twists. I'm a sucker for plot twists, so that that is something. If you can, for me, if a plot twist comes off well, that's a huge satisfaction for me. That's that's a that's a massive one. When I when I can throw something into the game that nobody saw coming, and everyone's like, "Oh my god, I should have realized that!" Like you you know that kind of excitement. Yeah. That is something that really excites me. I'm always I'm always trying to go for that feeling like a, a big moment in a movie when everyone is, everyone's watching. Movies, like, oh, my God, you know, that person's the blah, blah, blah. And you're all excited about it. like that is the big thing. So if you can pull those off every once in a while, that for me is a big rush. One of the reasons I love playing D&D. Yeah. And then like for DM prep, uh, literally anything that's like peaking your interest at the time you can throw in there. Yeah. Like if you're interested in graveyards at the moment, put in a bunch of unique graveyards, put the weird details that you like that normal people wouldn't know about. Totally. Just, just whatever, just to keep you interested in your DM prep. 
Yeah. Look at some of the things you do. Like you're saying, Jim, like say if you're a climber, you like to do like rock climbing and rock wall climbing, whatever. Come up with an adventure where they have to dig up a buried treasure and they go into a cavern and they have to use, you know, ropes and pittons and all climbing gear to get through that because you know about it. You can include that into it, right? Maybe there's a guide that helps them and you can be the guide and you can use your experience in that area to add real flavor to the game and makes it engaging for you. So 100%, like, look at all those things that you enjoy and that you can add flavor to. Yeah, have uh, maybe like a kender who's a... Teaches them how to climb. You know, he's pick he's pickpocketing them. Yeah, 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 yeah. There you up. go. <laughs> Here, let me help you. Looks like you're stumbling a little. Uh... <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Cool. Well, I, I want to say a big thank you again to Courtney. She was an amazing guest. And uh, I, I think that is a precedent from now on when we have a guest on the show. We will be asking them what our next show is about because I think that was a really fun way to do it. Yeah, but Courtney's a nice, amazing person. What happens if we get like Joe from Encounter Terrain on? <laughs> yeah, it can be a little sketchy, but that would be fun, though. We, we, we'll, we'll go with it. We'll, we'll go yeah, with it. Um, for sure. Yeah, and I think we're going to, I think we both agreed that we're going to try and have uh, guests on a little bit more frequently and not go so far in between because that was a, it was just such a great time. And uh, those episodes are really special, I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, John and Courtney are definitely coming back. So, yeah, they were fantastic. Oh, so great. So, all right. Well, I think that wraps it up for our main topic today. Um, we're going to come back here in a minute. And today's uh, smaller segment is going to be talking all about dice. So, yeah. So stick around and we will be right back. Hey, Warlock Rock, give me a word. Let's go with coffee. Dragon Warrior, can you give me a word? Every day, Tiger Wizard. Let's go with Bog Witch. Awesome. Let's make the swamp hut of the caffeinated Bog Witch together. What's going to happen in this swamp? Well, obviously, trouble is brewing a latte. (laughs) (laughs) Do you love game design and seeing the guts of how RPG adventures are made? Listen to the Epic Levels Mad Dungeon Podcast, where guests from the world of role-playing games join us to create original and super fun content for your table. Roll the dice. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying the show so far. Amazing topic there from our good friend Courtney. And uh, today we're going to have a little short segment chat about dice. And uh, throughout, yeah, woo, throughout the history of the show, we've uh, often referred to and talked a little bit about it. But we just thought it might be fun to just kind of dig in and have a chat about different elements of dice. Um, there's a few things that um, I know that I want to bring up. And I have a very controversial dice topic that i want to chat about in a few minutes and i'll discuss it with jim he doesn't know anything about it i've not shared it with him yet so we'll kind of spring it on him and we'll see how that goes so anyways dice um i should preface this with that i do have a a a pretty hefty dice bag that i've collected over my you know almost 40 years or whatever it is of playing D&D. But I, I'm not a dice collector. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not a dice goblin. I'm not crazy about the whole thing where other people love their dice and lots of different, and that's beautiful. It's just never been a really big thing for me. And in later years, latter years here, I've actually reverted and did collect a certain amount of dice to have a full set of white dice. So I, all my DM dice are just white, not colored at all, just white dice, <laughs> which I think is kind of fun and silly. Um, so that being said, um, some special dice. Uh, that are special to me 
in my dice pack though are uh, the original set of dice I have from way back in the day from my red box set that my uh, pops bought for me like in 1980. Oh, uh, and I awesome. still, and those dice, like some of the corners are so beaten and rolled. The die 20 looks more like a ball than it looks like a 20. <laughs> and what's fascinating about those dice, for those of you that remember, is that pack came with dice and a crayon. And I guess at the time it was too expensive to have the numbers printed on it. They were engraved into the dice, but they weren't done with any, you know, paint or anything. So the idea is when you got them, you got the crayon and you rubbed the crayon into the crease of the numbers. And that's how your numbers would appear on the dice, which is just hilarious. Which leads to another die that I really enjoy. And it was a thing. I don't think anyone does it anymore. But back in the 80s, you used to get die 20s. And they had on them 1 to 10 and 1 to 10 again. And you would take the dice with two color crayons and you do one set of the 1 to 10 with black crayon and the other set of 1 to 10 with a red crayon. So when you rolled this, it might roll a 6. If it was a black 6, it was 0, 06. If it was a red 6, it was 16. And it was a really interesting way of rolling a die 20 without all the numbers like 16, 17 on them. They were just these two different colors. And it was kind of neat because when you rolled it, you immediately knew by color if you were kind of above or below 10, yeah. right? which is kind of a fun thing. So visually, you would see that color, which was kind of fun. So uh, I still got that guy in my collection. It's kind of a yellow, clear yellow dice with all this kind of crayon on it, which is kind of fun. So uh, for those of you out there that um, make dice, that's a thing you can do. Like You don't have to paint those numbers in. You can use crayon to fill in the the numbers on them so there you go wow what about you is there a special die in in your world jim or something that means something to you uh well i was gonna say i have so many dice that my wife makes jokes about me starring in only fans where it's just pictures of me in the <laughs> bathtub with all my dice <laughs> <laughs> oh that's awesome like straight yeah. up could drown a goblin i went really hard for a lot of years on my dice collecting but now i got so many nice ones they gotta be pretty fancy for me to want to collect them you know <laughs> um probably my favorite dice I'm sure I've talked about it before. My alligator jawbone D20. You did, yeah. That's that was cool. one. And then the same guy that got me that got our DM, the woolly mammoth D20. Yeah. Yeah, because he's marrying his sister. So I mean, that's crazy. Kind of got to get him something pretty fancy. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Um, yeah, I got lots of skull dice. Those are always good. I got some aluminum uh, skeleton dice. Mm -hmm. If you've never had aluminum dice before, it sounds like angels singing when you roll. Really? Yes. Oh, it's beautiful. It's the oh, best sound cool. ever. Yeah. Cool. Uh, big fan of those. I got uh, three goblins in a trench coat. Oh, um, nice. So it's like a set, and then you know how they got some sets have three D6s? Yeah, yeah. Well, on every D6 on the six, it's a goblin, and then if you stack them, it's three goblins in a trench coat. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just love that. I don't know. It's just That's always fun. stuck out. Um, I got some liquid uh inside some d20s it's uh hmm. i just call i call them dragon orbs because it's yep. like a white kind of um foggy looking kind of liquid okay. in there it just it looks like a, what i think a dragon orb would look like right right that's cool so i just love those right so and then just skulls man just all of yep. the skull dice anyone's that have skulls in them or on them or nice <laughs> yeah that's sick um, back in the day, and I think we might have talked about this before, but there's a different way of rolling a die 20 is 
if you don't have a die 20 or if you just want to hear a jingle jangle because a, a die 20 it rolls by itself in your hands so you don't get the chicka 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 noise um what we used to do is we would roll a die 10 and a die six and so you get the chicka 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 in your hand and you roll them out and what it was is you'd look at the die six and if it was one to three then you were below 10. if you're four five six you're in the teens so the die six indicated if you're below 10 or above 10 and then the 10 sided die would be what the number is so if you rolled a a two on the die six and a seven on the die 10 that's seven but if you rolled a four on the die six and a seven that's 17. and so it sounds kind of goofy, but it's actually really fun to roll dice that way because you get the chicka 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 and roll. I love doing it every once in a while to freak people out. So if you play like in a one shot or something with somebody and it's your first time, first time to roll die 20 and you roll and then you drop down to die 6 and a 10 and people look at you like, what are you doing, dude? It's a die 20. It's like, yeah, no, I rolled a 17. Like, what? And it's, <laughs> it's just a great conversation thing. It's a very silly old school way of rolling if you didn't have a die 20. And some of these things probably date back before die 20s existed. Yeah. Oh, and as someone that's terrible at math, that sounds horrible, Sean. <laughs> I need to just see a number. I can count pretty high. <laughs> I could probably count to a thousand if I had to, but I'm I'm not gonna be messing around with that. I just need to read the number. <laughs> that's funny. It's a lot of fun. Um and you guys have heard me talk about this before. We'd uh, came up with this joke. Every once in a while you come up a position where you need to roll like a one or a two. It's like, you know, or it would be like, okay, I'm gonna flip a coin. And so as a joke, I came up with the die two and I went and I remember raided my little kid sister's like fake jewelry stuff. And I found a thing that looked like a gem and it was kind of pink in color, but it was very kind of flat and looked kind of like a diamond. Mm. And I took it and with liquid paper, I wrote one on one side and two on the other. So it was a two sided tie. So yeah. you could throw that on the table every once in a while. <laughs> that, that's kind of fun too. That's a silly little one. Kind of fun. Yeah. But, I love that. Um, I imagine you hate digital dice. Yeah, you know, we were playing a game a little while back and we were using D&D um, Beyond, which is, is cool. Like, I think that's a neat, neat thing to use. Mm -hmm. But because we were playing remotely, we needed to roll the dice with D&D Beyond so everyone would see. And, like, you know, it was just easier. And I think the DM was doing something. It was as a DM, he could log stuff and do stuff with it or whatever. Um, I don't know how much I like that. It's just not, I don't know. I just like the tactile part of it, you know, mm -hmm. like... I, I much prefer a character sheet, a paper character sheet, than a digital character sheet, too. I mean, I see the benefits, but I, uh, I'm just kind of old school. How about yeah. you? How are you with, with digital dice? Well, I like D&D &D, uh, Beyond better than the player sheet. Okay. I find it's really easy to use, like with the iPad and stuff. But I hate digital dice, except I have a phone app that's oh, yeah. dice that I can roll that has all the D&D &D dice on. And yep. Sometimes me and my wife will roll that to see who goes first in like a board game or <laughs> that's you fun. Know, just picking who's going to where we're going to eat that night or something. Yep. <laughs> you know, roll the yep. dice. So that's the only time it's just out in the world when I just need a couple D20s. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> but yeah, I'd much rather roll normal dice. Jim, there is a amazing crafter out there. I don't know if you've seen on YouTube. His name is Wylock. Yeah. And yep. 
Wylock is like his work stunning. If any of you um, aren't familiar with it, look it up on YouTube. He's got lots of videos, lots of followers. He did uh, really, Tomb of Annihilation, right? He did, yeah. Oh did, man, that was insane. I'm not a Facebook person, but I know on Facebook he has a massive group, massive like thousands of people like follow it, and they all share stuff on there. And he's a very talented dude. I really appreciate his work. Wylock a little while back said something, and it kind of blew my mind. This leads us into the controversial topic of dice. And I looked it up and he is correct. The vast majority of Dungeons and Dragons players are not using percentile dice correctly. (laughs) So when I say percentile dice, I'm referring to using the two dice. One's a die 10, right? Mm D10. And the other one is the d10 but has 10 20 30 40 50 60 written on it right Mm. so jim if i'm rolling those type of dice and i'm gonna roll i i I roll a five what would those dice say for me to roll a five zero zero and five correct 100 percent correct you're exactly right um okay so then that's what i've rolled for a five yeah. Um, <laughs> I knew you're, this is where you're going with this. Jim. <laughs> Just so you know. <laughs> if I was going to roll 100% on those dice, what would I roll? What do you triple, think? What, triple zeros. <laughs> I'll die at my table before I freaking turn to the dark side of whatever crap you're about to say. <laughs> so I need you and everybody listening to me because I do it wrong too. I need everyone to be open-minded. <laughs> All right. All right. Open mind. Open minded. And listen to what we're saying. So if double zero and five is five. Yeah. Double zero and six is six. Double zero and seven is seven. Mm-hmm. Double zero and eight is eight. Double zero and nine is nine. Double zero and ten is how much? A zero. A die ten says zero for ten. Yeah. Double zero and a zero is how much? Mm. Ten. It's ten. Yeah. Right, because it has to be because double zero has to. The only way you can get one is double zero and then one on the die ten. The, the issue is a die ten says one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, zero. That mm-hmm. zero doesn't mean zero. That zero means ten. When you yeah. roll a die ten by itself, it means ten. So that being said, if I rolled the double number and I rolled a forty. And I rolled the other die, which is a die 10, and it said zero. How much would I have? I'd say 40. It's 50 because it's 40 plus 10. Because you always have to think, if I rolled 40 and 9, I add them together and say 49. So if I roll 40 and 0, if the double zero is zero when it's double zero and a 1, that's that's 1 because it's double zero equals zero. It can't be... 40 when it's four zero the other dice can't be zero when it says zero they, they, you can't you know one of them the, the 10 has to say one to 10 it can't all of a sudden be zero mm-hmm. right so how do you get to 100 90 nine zero on one dice the other yeah. dice zero that's 100 90 plus mm-hmm. 10 is 100 yeah now that makes sense it will mess your brain up it's like it's it's crazy and i know a lot of you out there are like going sean you are so full of shit right now like i know you are and i i believe i am too but you know what i'm right and i'm not right this is right like i've looked it up and it says like yes 
so many people play incorrectly. Yeah. Zero, zero on one dice and zero on the other is not 100. It is 10. <laughs> because it has to be because zero, zero and five is five. Yeah. The double zeros equal zero. And that's in that standpoint, it has to to be able to have one to nine. So if that's the case, if this because there is no in percentage, you don't have a zero. Right. You don't have zero. So zero, zero and a zero can't be can't be zero because there isn't it's one to a hundred. It's not zero to a hundred. It's always one to a hundred. Yeah. But it can't be a hundred because zero, zero and nine is nine. And that die 10 is one to 10, not zero to nine. It has to be one to 10. So zero, zero and zero is 10 and 90 and zero is 100. Yeah. And if that doesn't put a spin on your brain, nothing will. Um, I'm still grasping with it because I played this game for a shit long time and I've always played it the other way around. Triple zeros is 100. I've always, that's what we play. Yeah. But now after seeing Wylock's stupid video <laughs> talking about this and thinking about it and just wanting to share it with you, <laughs> it, it, I, I'm convinced that's what it is. That is how we're, we're and it sounds so wrong because if you rolled, rolled yeah. three zero, a 30 and rolled a zero, we would say 30, Yeah. but it's 40. So now this is the thing. You know how many times you would have done better? If we had known the right way to call it, like if you had rolled a 40 and a zero and we say 40, but it's actually 50, that might have been enough to kick us over. Yeah, it, it's wow. it's so bizarre. Right. And it just it doesn't make sense because you see the 40 or the 50 or the 60 on that dice and then you see that zero. So you're like, oh, yeah, it's 60. It just makes sense. But it's not. It's actually 10 more. It's 70. So to get to 100, it doesn't say 100. You have to add the two together because that's what you do all the time. If it's 60 and a three, you say 63. Yeah. So if that 10 sided die is rolled to the zero, it's 10. So you have to add 10 to your number because if it wasn't, if it was zero, zero and seven, according to what we're saying, that's 107. Yeah. And that's not right. It's not 107, right? Like, mm -hmm. so you've done very, very well, my friend. I've really impressed that you didn't freak out at me and go nuts. Like you listened, you're very good about it. Take it for what you want. You can play it the other way too, if you like, but what we're doing is we're shifting the zero value. Like we're saying the zero value is over on the double zeros, like it should be. But then when we roll as a 10 sided die and get a zero, we're calling that zero as well. You can't have the zero on both sides of that dice. Only the one of them can have the zero. The other one's 10. It just has yeah. to be. Well, um, with, uh, you know, you where you said maybe we would have rolled a little better than we wanted to, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, the good news is that most, I'd say probably 90, if not more percent of the time, when you're rolling a D100, it's usually on a random roll chart. Yes. So it probably would have been just a random thing anyways. Sometimes maybe for gold, but yeah. hey, that, that's the game, right? And, it uh, is. It is. No, it, that makes a lot of sense, and I believe you, but I'm not going to play like that. Isn't <laughs> so weird? Like, it's so weird. Like, I listened to him say this, and I'm like, bullshit. No. And I, I went know, away, sense. and I thought about it, and I just, I kept having the argument in my head over and over and over, and I kept thinking about it, and it's like, no, that's, yeah, that it has to be that way. I'm like, holy shit, have we been doing it wrong all this time? Like, that's great. So I started looking up online and a lot of articles say, yeah, people don't do it the right way. They do it this the way we do it. And 
it's not right. It's it's the wrong way of doing it. And it's it's bizarre. So a lot of times people are actually 10% below what it normally is when it's on a, a like a 10, 20, 30, 40, 50. You're actually 10% below because you've yeah. treated the other as a zero, not as a 10. And then um, when you've rolled what we think is 100, we all zeros, it's actually 10%. It's not yeah. 100, <laughs> which is crazy. Um yeah, it's pretty wild, pretty pretty baffling. Wow. And uh, yeah, crazy, right? Just uh, don't, people don't tell this to your new players. Don't. Just <laughs> whatever they roll and whatever they say for the D100, be, you go, yep. Or if yep. they say, here, you you tell me what I got. You just tell them and you don't tell them how you got that answer. Just No, <laughs> no. I'm excited for next game when we do get to play our next game. And that's one of the first things I want to say at the table is like, we need to discuss how we roll die 100. Uh, what do we agree on? What is die 100? Or what is your way of doing die 100? And then pose this to the group and see what they think. Like, I think it, there's probably gonna be some hardcore people be like, no, man, you're full of shit. That's not how it works. <laughs> yeah. I think your next session, Sean, I might show up an hour late. So I missed that <laughs> first hour argument, <laughs> the start of the game that you're starting for. I don't know what reason <laughs> you say you missed the game, but it sounds like you just want to cause trouble. <laughs> yeah, I do. I really do. It's fascinating to me. I, stuff like that. I find really interesting that, you know, I'm realizing it is wrong and I've been wrong for a lot of years, which is hilarious. <laughs> not that it makes a big difference because it's, yeah, it, it works itself out basically, but it is wrong, which is hilarious. So anyways, believe what you want, people. That is my two cents I'm putting out there. Think about it. Please comment, send us your hate mail uh, yeah. about how we screwed it all up. And uh, yeah, that's our uh, that's our conversation about dice. Crystal ball at 13sideddie.com to send Sean all the hate mail. You all all the to. dice hate mail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I bet you 90 and zero that I get a lot of hate mail. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, no, that's good. And thanks for, you know, thanks for sharing that. You know, it's good to know the, the right proper way. Sure it is. Even though it's not going to fly at a lot of tables. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to hear what people think. So there you go, guys. Thanks so much. Next time on 13-Sided Die. Hey, guys, we're back. I hope you enjoyed our little segment on dice and I didn't melt your brain too badly. Um First of all, I just want to say thanks, Jim, uh, as always. It's just like so much fun. And I know, like I said, we've both been really busy and we haven't had much chance to chat. And so it was nice just to take time out and get together. I always enjoy our conversations. Oh, it's been such a pleasure, man. That's uh, And you guys didn't hear this, but me and Sean talked for probably half an hour between segments there. <laughs> we did. <laughs> we talked a lot about, about yeah. and how dice messed up our brains and stuff, too. So yeah, we, we've had a lovely conversation tonight. And um, Jim jokes that one day we'll have a Patreon group and you can tune in and listen to our bullshit between the the actual segments. Before, uh, in the middle, and after. We, I don't think we can do there. that. But there's a lot of content people shouldn't hear, so I don't even <laughs> think that's possible. 18 but, plus. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> uh, it's lovely. Uh, yeah, what a great show. Big thanks goes out to Courtney for giving us a suggestion. Uh, we've, uh, I think we went like about almost 10 episodes, uh, close to 10 episodes between um, people coming on. And we've decided we want to do it a lot sooner. So I think like maybe every fourth or fifth episode will be a guest is what we're hoping, um, which would be really nice. And so we're excited to talk to some of our friends and see if they want to come on and join us. Um, I, I, I'd be honest, Jim, somebody who's high on my list to chat to, especially since ArtCon is to have, um, 
our good friend friendly Mike uh, and maybe Chubbs at the same time like have the two of them on like I think that would be an incredible conversation with those amazing artists like that'd be a lot yeah. of fun so let's I could see let's reach out to him yeah I could see that one coming up soon because those guys are just so amazingly talented and they have such great stuff to talk about you know huge mm-hmm. D&D freaks and amazing artists so yeah I could see that one coming soon um, uh, oh do you have a joke for us this week I think you mentioned you might what do you call musical dwarves a rock band <laughs> oh that's bad i was trying to come up with something to do with tune but i couldn't get there but yeah a rock band that's good uh, oh that's bad i love it um big thank you to everybody out there who tunes in and listens to us we really do appreciate it again uh we're not sorry but sorry that uh it was a little bit slower in this go around but it's all good you guys know why and uh, i think D&D and podcasts, I think, are winter sports, so you'll probably get <laughs> us doing it more through the winter, so they'll be yeah. a little bit more on schedule, which is good. Um, I do want to say uh, thank you. We have a uh, comment here. Uh, this is from Instagram, from at Rumain underscore Yeoman. says, hey, Sean, just listen to the first podcast you and Jim made. I love them. Do you guys also make podcasts while playing D&D? 10 out of 10, I would watch slash listen to them. That's very kind words. Um, That's awesome. We've talked about doing something similar to that, too. I remember John was super excited to play in our um, deserted island world, wasn't he? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. We'll definitely have to have a little bit of a live play on here. I think we should one time. Yeah, I think that'd be kind of fun to do that. Uh, Get some of our close friends in and do a little live play action. That'd be kind of cool to do. Um, I don't think we want to get into becoming another one of the um, live play you know, podcast things out there. There's so many, but it'd be fun to do it. Maybe an episode or so would be kind of cool to do that. Yeah. I'd be blacklisted so fast if my home <laughs> games got broadcasted. So. Yeah, I know. I hear you. Totally. <laughs> Some of that stuff just like Vegas stays in Vegas or whatever. Right. But, yeah. 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 What happens at the D and D table stays at the D and D table. Um, totally. Um, yeah, it's very cool. Uh, we do often talk about next episode. Uh, Jim and I chatted about it and decided we have no idea what next episode is about. And so we will come up with something. So come back and we'll have a new episode and we'll have a great topic that we'll talk about at that new episode when that happens. It's going to be amazing though. I heard it's phenomenal actually. Yeah, it'll be a, it'll be an awesome, awesome episode. There's quite a buzz about it right now. A lot of people are talking about it. So uh, Mm. I would come in and check that out. Yeah. Yeah. And when you found out what it's about, tell us, because then we'll know what to talk about. <laughs> uh, too funny. Uh, anything else, buddy? Um, I wanted to bring up a little thing. You talked about that you went to an Iron Maiden concert earlier. And that's uh, it's been my favorite band for a very long time. Yes. And I had tickets to go to an Iron Maiden show uh, quite a few years ago, probably seven years ago. Yeah. And uh, it landed on our annual group camping trip. Oh. For me and a bunch of high school friends and stuff, we always go camping and as well, we'll just drive in the city, go to the concert, and then we'll come back after. Mm-hmm. We're hanging out, having fun, and in that moment, I just, I kind of realized that special moments like that are worth more than a concert, and I never ended up going. I still have those tickets, and I still haven't seen them. Oh, dude. But it, uh, you wild. know... Is this the kind of a moment where I realized that friends were really important? And, that's uh, pretty cool. You know. Good for you, man. That, that's, that's a big thing to do. That's huge. I um, I said it was really funny because um, I actually didn't even know they're coming to town. That's how out of touch I've been. And uh, bumped into this buddy uh, two weeks ago. And uh, it was nice to see him. I haven't seen him for about 10 years. And like I said, we went to high school together. It's really funny because our um, we started grade 10 
and uh, we didn't know each other before. I go to my first class, fine. I go to my second class, I'm like, I think that dude was in my first class. Go to my third class, that's the same dude that was in my first and second class. Go to my fourth class, it's and we're like, dude, we have we're like we have the same schedule, and we've been we became fast friends all through high school because oh, yeah. we had the same schedule. It was hilarious, and um, so we hadn't seen each other for about ten years now, and life was just you know busy and got in the way, and so we kind of caught up. It was nice, and we took each other's phone numbers, and that was great. I thought, yeah, we'll have to go and do something. And then a couple of days ago, he's like, "Hey, dude, Iron Maiden's coming to town. Did you want to go?" I'm like yeah like we haven't seen our maiden since like we were kids in the 80s back in high school it's hilarious we should go and so we kind of snagged some tickets and went and a, a moment for me hit me and i thought should i ask jim if he knows that they're coming that and i just it was so short notice and it's not like you're 10 minutes away from the city mm-hmm. you know what i mean and it was yeah so i thought about reaching out and asking and then it just felt like it was if it would have been more planned maybe, but it was like, we did it a couple of days before the show and got tickets and kind of went, eh? So, um, I did feel a little bit bad because I know you really like Iron Maiden. Uh, and you would have known a lot more of the songs than me. I liked Iron Maiden from back when I was a kid in the eighties. And so you get to about, you know, not too far past Power Slave. And then I start not knowing a lot of Iron Maiden. Um, before that, I know a lot, but you know, uh, it doesn't matter. They're, they're a great band. You go see them and they put on such a great show. And even if you do for me, even if I don't even know all the music, it's yeah, it's stunning and it sounds really good. So, yeah. You know, what's really funny about that is, uh, we'll talk about more about this after the podcast, but me and a good buddy of mine from work, Nick, we're coming to Calgary next weekend for tattoos. Oh, crazy. And catch up with you, have some lunch or something. One of the days. That'd be cool. But, uh, yeah. When you like sent that to me, I texted him. I was like, dude, we're going to Calgary the wrong weekend. <laughs> I was like, if we're, if we're going next weekend, we could see an Iron Maiden. <laughs> oh, dude. But, yeah. Brutal. But yeah. Like I, I said, I, I'm so bad. I, I've just, I've been quite out of touch with things that I didn't even realize that they were, uh, they were coming to town until like I said, buddy reached out and said, Hey, do you want to go? So, um, but they, they, they tour a lot and I'm sure they'll be oh, back. Yeah. They, they come back all the time. And next time this back. Kind of controversial, but I don't really like concerts. No, that's cool. Some people live really music, don't. Live music doesn't really do it for me. Though I, I like the refined, just the the perfect. Yeah. You know how they had it in the. I don't know. Just some people. I, I know that, and I totally understand that, and I get it too. Like, um, I'm a concert was a concert for you. Like I've, you name them, and not to sound silly or big headed, but you name them, I've seen them. Uh, I've got t-shirts and ticket stubs and I mean, in the early days of being a front like i have a drumstick from iron maiden that i caught back in the 80s like you know oh, like awesome all this kind of crazy crap and um but i found as i've gotten older i like concerts a lot less <laughs> like <laughs> i just don't go to as many as i used to and stuff but i think the last time i counted it's it was about 270 concerts i've been to which awesome. is insane wow. insane um and i've dragged my kids to a lot of them too boy this is really becoming a whole side people have way tuned out a long time ago but uh i've dragged my kids to a lot of them too like i felt like that was as a dad that was something i could impart on my kids because i love music and i kind of took them to a lot of shows um yeah like my boys have seen like rolling stones like paul mccartney uh you know to to, to sticks to crosby stills and nash to like like everything like i I drag those kids to a lot of shows and try to explain to them all different kinds of music and to listen to all different kinds of music and then make a judgment whether you like it or not not just to make a judgment without knowing and uh yeah they have a pretty diverse uh broad spectrum of music they like which is cool and uh you know i think that's important yeah and this is uh 
This is just a sample of what you could get with the after hours Patreon tier of 13 Sided <laughs> Die. This is the kind of stuff we talk about. So if you guys like this, email us, let us know you're interested I think, in that. I think we actually talk more off mic than we do when we actually record the podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's funny. Awesome, okay. Buddy. I think we should probably end her there. Thanks, everybody, so much for tuning in. We love all of you. Uh, Please do all those neat things like subscribe and comment and send us lovely messages and hate mail and all that great stuff. Um, Feed the algorithm gods. (laughs) Fantastic. All right. We'll be more on schedule. We'll talk to you guys soon. And uh, yeah, take care. All right. Love you guys. It's been a pleasure, Sean. Thanks, buddy. Bye. Well done, you. You've made it to the end of the podcast. You are a bold adventure to be sure. Remember to fill your water skin and to have your blade sharpened at the blacksmith's before departing. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to our podcast to be notified of new 13-sided die adventures. And don't forget to tell your friends about the silly fools talking about D&D. 13-sided die has been brought to you by Sean and Jim. Executive produced by Sean and Jim. Mini painting by Sean and Jim. Engineered by Sean and Jim. Goblin Torture Device by Sean and Jim. Conceptualized by Sean and Jim. Please note, no goblins were harmed in the making of this podcast.